Good morning. Had to get all turned on and tuned in there. It is a joy to be here, and I appreciate Brother Aaron inviting us down. And I know you folks support Mississippi Missions, and I thank you for that, uh, because we wouldn't be uh, doing what we're doing uh, if it weren't for folks like you, so thank you so much. Uh, I shared a little bit about us this morning, about our family, and said I would talk a little bit more about the work this morning. Uh, I can tell you this, I was pastoring in, in Russellville, Alabama. I'd been in Arkansas for nine years, uh, in northwestern Arkansas, and we left there and went to northwestern Alabama and stayed there seven years, and I was enjoying pastoring there. We had a good church. Uh, God had blessed us, and, and uh, everything was going well, and I was thinking, you know, I believe that I can stay here until I retire, and that was kind of my plan. And the mission board approached me, uh, I don't remember how many times, two or three, three or four times, and asked me about uh, going to New Albany to start the church. And uh, I did uh, what Moses did and said, Lord, surely there's got to be someone else besides me. Uh, Lord, I, Lord, I agree, someone needs to go to New Albany and start a church, and Lord, thank you for that, and I, I, I pray for that fellow that you'll help him out. So... Uh, because, like I said, we, we, were, you know, we were enjoying pastoring, enjoying where we were. Uh, and uh, they asked me several times, and I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I turned them down each time. And uh, they, they asked me again, and I said the same thing. I'll pray about it. And, you know, and I was expecting the same answers that I had gotten before. You know, it's one of those things like, Lord, I know you don't want me to do this. Amen. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, I prayed, and I, I said, Lord, you know, I want to be in your will, and I want my family to be in your will, and I want us to do what we need to do, and, and uh, you, you, sh you show me what you want me to do. And, and uh, uh, from that time forward, the Lord would not leave me alone. Brother Aaron, you can probably relate to that. When you have a calling to do something, uh, that's one of the most reassuring things that I can think of, is the Lord just will not leave you alone. Uh, he will keep bringing it to mind, and... I would find myself sitting at my desk in Russellville uh, writing sermons for the weekend and thinking about what we could do in New Albany and thinking about what could, what could be there. And so uh, uh, to, to make a long story longer, and that's what good preachers do, amen, uh, we, uh, you know, we decided to, to pull up and stakes and move our family and, and come uh, back into Mississippi, which is our home, and... Uh, and work to start a church in New Albany. And God has blessed us in so many ways. Uh, a little update on the work. Uh, we meet uh, on Sundays at Best Western Hotel. They have a conference room in the lobby of the hotel. And so we've been renting that for a couple of years now. Uh, we uh, had our first Bible study, and I, I started the church the only way I knew how, and it was the way that Brother Gore had started churches. Uh, by starting a Bible study in our home, and we started there, and it kind of flourished, and so we went to, to the uh, hotel to get a little bit more room, and uh, God blessed us. We're running about 20 folks now, and I mean, we, we've got 20 good, solid people. I mean, we have a great core uh, to build a church around. Uh, so COVID hit, and that delayed us on building plans, and uh, we had to really go back and, and start all over again for the second time and then the third time uh, before we got everything where, 
within a budget that we could live with as a state. And uh, so we, uh, I noticed on my, my Facebook, you know how you get those things on Facebook, it says two years ago this happened. Well, I had a thing pop up and two years ago and it had an excavator out there on our property clearing pine trees. It popped up this week. And I thought, you know, two years ago, that's where we were. We, we, had a, we had a piece of property, which is a great piece of property. We have almost three acres in the city limits of New Albany. New Albany is a town of about 9,000, 9, give or take. Uh, it has some, some perks going to it, uh, for it as far as uh, there's a Toyota plant there. Uh, there is uh, at Blue Springs, which is very close by. There's a Walmart distribution center there. So people in, in Union County, that's, that's kind of the place to be is New Albany. Uh, and people are being pulled in that uh, direction. Uh, they are building housing there now, and they're selling houses just as fast as they can get them built. And we, we've watched a couple of subdivi subdivisions, you know, spring forward. Uh, since uh, we've been there in the last couple of years. But anyway, two years ago, we were getting trees knocked down. Uh, this, this year, uh, we have uh, the concrete poured for the, the main building, which is a 50 by 100 building. Uh, we've got the concrete poured for the drive-through. Uh, we got all of that uh, done, dirt work done, uh, concrete poured. Um, started uh, walls going up uh, this past week. The, Framers came in, started framing the walls, so uh, they've got a portion of that frame. Uh, do follow us. If, if you do Facebook, uh, just uh, uh, find me, Thomas Lloyd, and uh, send me a friend request. I'll, I'll accept you, and then I'll send you, uh, I'll send you a request, or you can find the, the church's uh, Facebook page. Uh, we put out stuff on that page. Uh, pretty much every week, so it, it, it'll kind of keep you updated. You, you can see the walls going up and everything uh, to help you follow along, but uh, we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go, and I, I've been asked how soon will you be in the building. I, I'm not sure. Uh, right now, it's, it's difficult to get uh, subcontractors on site to do the work, uh, but we're, we're doing fairly well. Uh, I'm hoping by summertime, I'm hoping by June, July, somewhere in there, uh, that we will be able uh, to get into the building, and that may not happen. It may be the fall. I'm not sure, but we're, uh, we are working on it. So anyway, that, that's a little update on the, the church. The church is doing well. Uh, we have an ordained free will Baptist preacher now uh, in our church. Uh, he came on board with us and has been ordained as a free will Baptist, and uh, he's preaching for me up there this morning. Um, I do. We did put some little prayer cards out on the table in the back. If you would take one of those and just pray for us. I have these little small ones printed up. I know we used to do the, the bigger ones, but uh, I had those so you could use it for kind of a bookmark and just stick it in your Bible uh, or in your iPad or, you know, wherever you, you read your Bible. Uh, just stick that in there. If you would remember to pray for us, uh, we, uh, God has answered so many prayers. He has blessed us in so many ways. Uh, I can't begin to describe it, but he is uh, he has been in the middle of this from the beginning and still continues. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting that church completed and, um, and starting to hold services there. Uh, we think we'll experience more growth uh, when, we, um, when we get into a permanent location and we have a permanent identity in the community and we actually have a place. I have found out that a lot of people, when you tell them we're the church meeting in the hotel, they don't want to come to the hotel to go to church. So... so uh, we're hoping when we establish a more permanent residence there, 
uh, that, uh, that will help us in our, our efforts to grow. Uh, we have done a number of things. We've had, I can tell you the best thing you can do for your church is to get involved in your community and what's happening in your community. So when we have community days in New Albany uh, where uh, they have like uh, uh, the Tallahatchie River Fest every year and they, they do some different activities through the year, uh, Christmas parade, uh, we've done all those sorts of things. We marched in a Christmas parade and toted a banner with the, the church name. We, we handed out balloons at the last river, river fest with the church name on one side and said Jesus is the Son of God on the other side. And so we, we gave away balloons. We, we did a day in the park where we, uh, where we had a, a, a free will Baptist gentleman who does uh, magic for the kids came in and did magic uh, and also presented the gospel as he was doing the magic show. And so we, we've done a number of things, you know, to get involved with the community and reach out into the community. And uh, I only see that escalating once we get into a, a more permanent structure where we can actually have, you know, we have a place to invite people to come uh, and be where we are. Uh, but uh, in the day that we live, I can tell you this, there, there's, there's fewer and fewer people who are going to come to you that are going to come here. Uh, if you're going to get them here, you're going to have to meet them out there and invite them here and uh, you know the, the day was and I remember Brother Gore telling me this one time he said Thomas I've seen decades go by where you you couldn't hardly win somebody to the Lord just nothing happened he said Thomas I've seen another decade when it was just crazy people started getting saved and things started moving forward you know it just different times different things and we're in a different season in our country uh, where people by and large just aren't coming to us anymore uh, so the more outreach and things that you can do, you know, the better you are, better off you are, uh, the more opportunity that it gives you to interact with people in the community. Matthew chapter 14 this morning. Now, Brother Romines, are y'all recording this morning? Okay. If I move around, if I come on the floor, is that going to mess you up? Okay, all right. I, I did my best this morning to kind of remain stationary, uh, but I'm, I'm a wandering preacher, so I sometimes, I sometimes travel, and I, I didn't want to mess you up. I can stay right here and if I need to. I promise you I, I can do that. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. If you have that, would you stand with me this morning, if you're able, uh, out of reverence for the reading of the good word of God. This is kind of like the seventh inning stretch, okay? We're almost there. Just relax. Matthew 14, 13. When Jesus heard of it, that is speaking in reference to the death of John the Baptist. When Jesus heard of that, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart, and when the people heard there, had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now spent. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. In other words, you send them away so that they can go somewhere and buy food, provisions, supplies, the things that they need. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. 
And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside the women and the children. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for your word. And Father, I need your help this morning. I need a physical help from you today as well as a spiritual help. God, I pray that you will anoint my mind and my heart, that I'll be your anointed servant this morning to preach your word. And God, I pray that you'll anoint the ears of the folks who are here uh, this morning to listen to what you have to say, that they may hear with open ears and an open mind, and that you may fill their heart today with good things. God, thank you now for the good word of God, for this opportunity to minister. God, thank you for the mission work here in Mississippi, for the churches that support it. And God, I pray that you will help us to win souls for Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I read the story some time ago, Brother Aaron, about a man who was passing by uh, a carnival that was occurring in the place where he lived, and uh, there were different animals there, and as he passed by, he took notice of some elephants that were there in the, uh, the uh, place being held, and uh, he looked at those elephants, and he noticed that though they were very large, they were being held in place by a small rope that was tied around one of their legs. And he looked at that and he thought, you know, that's unusual, and he wanted to ask someone about it. So he looked around, there was a fellow there, and he walked over and he said, I'd like to ask a question about the elephants. And the fellow said, well, I'm a trainer. And said, I'll, you know, if I'm able, I'll be glad to answer your question. And so he said, well, I've noticed these elephants have this small rope tied around their leg and a little stake driven in the ground that's holding them in place. And he said, it looks to me like they should be able to pull free from that very easily. He said, why do they not do that? And the fellow said, well, you've asked a good question. He said, we start training the elephants when they are very young and they're very much smaller in size. We start training them then and we tie them with that rope and that stake uh, to a particular location. And he said, at that age, they are not strong enough to pull and to break free. So at that age, the rope will hold them. He said, so as they grow, they remember that the rope is there and that the rope has always held them in place. And he said, as they grow larger and larger in size, they will just simply never attempt to break free from the stake. Though they could, there are no bars, there are no chains, there's nothing like that. Though they could easily break free, they've been conditioned to believe that they cannot. Now let me ask you a question this morning. You believe that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Amen? I don't care what age you are, God still has a plan for your life. If you are breathing, God has a plan for your life. I remember years ago, one of my deacons, a fellow by the name of Letcher Fields, Brother Letcher was a prince of a man, but at the time that I came to pastor the church, uh, there he was in his upper 80s and he was just no longer able physically to do some of the things that he had done before 
And I would go by from time to time and, and, you know, visit with him and sit and talk with him. And he would literally sit there and weep and say, Preacher, I would love to go out on visitation with you. I would love to go out and knock on doors with you. I would love to be part of that ministry, but I just can't do it. And I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have taken him with me. He was so frail. I, I would have been afraid he would step in a, a chug hole somewhere and fall. And so he, he was telling me I just can't do what I used to, and he felt useless. And I said, Brother Letcher, I said, I want to tell you something that you can do for us. I said, we go out, and I think it was Thursday night at that time, we go out every Thursday evening, we visit people, invite them to church, or we go by and see visit, visit members, maybe someone who's sick or in the hospital. And I, I said, Brother Letcher, at 7 o'clock on Thursday night, would you pray for us for an hour? I said, that'll, de- that'll be worth as much as the people who go with me. Will you do that? He said, I would. And he did. He prayed for us. And God blessed that ministry and it flourished uh, during that time. God has a wonderful plan for our life. But I want to tell you something this morning. Satan also has a plan for us. And that is to destroy us. That is to interrupt our fellowship with Jesus Christ in any way that he can. In any way that he can pull us away from the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems like over the years, Brother Aaron, that I've spent a lot of time hoping to convince church members that there are no limitations to what Jesus can do. That Jesus can do absolutely anything. There are no limits to Him. But when it comes to a church setting, we often hear things like, well, we don't have the money to do that. We, we would do that. We'd do that ministry. We'd help with that, but we just don't have the money. And sometimes it's, well, we don't have the facilities. If we just had a nicer facility or this facility or that facility, then we could do this. Sometimes it's, we don't have the people. There just aren't many of us. We don't have enough to do this particular thing. And my personal favorite one is this. That won't work here. It might work everywhere else, but it won't work here. You see, what winds up happening is we have a rope called unbelief that the devil ties around our leg and once he ties it there, we decide, you know what? We just can't ever be anymore. We can't ever do anymore. We can't ever go beyond. We're just going to be chained here to that, and we can never break free. Well, God sent me by this way this morning to tell you that there are no limits to what Jesus can do. There are no limits to what Jesus can do. Jesus and the disciples have left the city. They have gone out into the country. They have been followed by the crowd. And Jesus looking at them and having compassion on them, and that is key, he has compassion on them. He wants to do something to help them. And so we are told that he heals their sick. And that happens during the day. And when evening comes, the disciples come and say, "Uh, Jesus, you need to send these people away so that they can get something to eat. Now, Jesus has a way of throwing what I call a curveball at you. Because what the disciples are expecting is for Jesus to say, well, you're right, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and I don't have a McDonald's in my back pocket to provide for them, so we'll just send them somewhere else. But instead of doing that, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, no, no, you feed them. Not the church across town, not the big church over there, Not the charismatic church over there. He said, you feed them. Wow. 
may I suggest to you this morning that free will Baptists, we don't need to send folks to the Baptist or the Methodist or the Church of Christ or to the Presbyterians. We don't need to send folks anywhere else because we have the Word of God, we have the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can feed them. We can give them what they need. But now here's the rope. The disciples look around and say, but Jesus, we don't have enough food to feed them. And that kind of brings us into our text this morning then. There are no limits to what Jesus can do if we give ourselves to him. If the crowd had not followed Jesus, there would have been no healing. If the disciples had not followed Jesus, there would have been no miracle. In the Gospels, 18 times in 17 verses, you read two words. These two words are spoken only by Jesus. They occur 18 times in 17 verses in the Gospels. And here are the two words, follow me. Follow me. Why? Because there are no limits to what Jesus can do when we give ourselves to Him, when we follow Him. Years ago, uh, we were on a, a vacation trip, Brother Aaron, Sister Leslie. We, we did about uh, as you. We, we, we had kind of taken a little time to get away, and we decided that we would go down to uh, Panama City Beach. Uh, a friend uh, that I used to work with, uh, he owned a, a condo down there and uh, would let us use it from time to time. And we thought, well, it's a good time. We'll get away and we'll run down, you know, spend a few days. And uh, we waited until, until we were about halfway down before we called the kids and told them, by the way, we're going down to Panama City Beach, right? We didn't want them to go. We didn't want to take them with us. So we, we waited. We get about halfway there. Then we call and tell them. But as we're, as we're traveling down, we lived in the northwestern part of Alabama, so we travel essentially down the whole uh, part of the state. Uh, when we got down into south Alabama, we hit some road construction. And there was a, a fellow, we pulled up to the top of a hill, and there was a valley kind of in between us and a hill over on the other side. And uh, we pulled up there, and there's a guy standing there, and he's got one of those signs in his hand. You know, one side says stop, the other side says slow. Well, as we pulled up there, uh, he turns the thing around and says, stop. So we stop right there on top of the hill. We're the first car in line, and I'm looking across the hill. And uh, on the other side of the hill, I see a, a line of traffic piling up, and I look in my rearview mirror, and there's a line of traffic piling up behind me. And uh, in, a, in a while, uh, we waited, and then I noticed over on the other hill that a pickup truck came around in front of those uh, cars that were lined up and they started to move uh, behind that truck and that truck would come down through uh, this valley and this valley had all kinds of equipment I mean there were excavators there were bulldozers there were dump trucks there were road graders all all sorts of heavy equipment were operating in that area and this truck comes down through there and he's leading this line of traffic and he's kind of weaving in and out around this machinery and all these vehicles then are following behind him and uh, they uh, finally get through the valley, come up the hill, and they pass us on the other side over here. And I'm sitting there looking out the driver's window. I'm watching the traffic go by. And uh, a few moments later, that same pickup truck 
turned around somewhere behind us and came back and he pulled over right in front of me. And for the first time, I saw a big sign sitting in the back of his truck and it had two words written on it. Guess what those words were? Follow me. If Jesus tells us 18 times, follow me, and he's the only one that tells us to do that, at least in the Gospels, then I have the idea that that's a good thing to do, that we are to follow him. Brother Aaron, if I understand correctly the meaning of the word repentance in the New Testament, the idea of repentance was that my whole life, my whole person, all that I am, I am moving through life and I am going in a direction. Well, for most of us, that direction carries us away from God. But as the Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, in my life, I met Jesus Christ. And it was then that I realized I've been headed in the wrong direction this whole time. And I heard those words echoing in my ears, follow me. And so I turned around and said, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm not hanging out with those people anymore. I'm not going to those places anymore. But rather, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn away from that. And by the way, when you turn away from something, you turn your back to it. And I'm going to start moving in this direction. And this is the direction I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to start following the Lord Jesus and living life like I believe He wants me to live it. That's what repentance is. I, I was going this way, and I said, no more. Now I'm headed in this direction. Why? Because there are no limits to what Jesus can do in your life, in my life, if we follow Him. The question is, have you done that? You can look to a place in your life, and you realize you were headed in the wrong direction, and you turned around and you embraced Jesus Christ, you repented of your sins, and you embraced Christ and said, I am going to follow you. My life isn't much, but whatever I have, whatever it is, it now belongs to you. There are no limits to what we can do if we give ourselves to Jesus, if we will follow him. I noticed also this. There are no limits to what Jesus can do if we give what we have to Him. Now, a lot of folks are okay with uh, following Him. But then when we are supposed to give what we have to Him, sometimes that makes a little difference with folks. But did you notice that the disciples only had five loaves and two fish? That's, the, that's about the equivalent of saying that they had five crackers and two sardines. And how are we going to feed this mob of people with five crackers and two sardines? In other words, Jesus, we don't have enough. There's not enough of us, and we don't have enough to feed them. Five loaves, five crackers, and two sardines, they, they don't seem like much until you place them in Jesus' hands. It doesn't matter what it is. If you put it in Jesus' hands, 
Jesus can do more with it than we'll ever do with it by ourselves. Every time. In John chapter 11, very famous chapter, Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for at least four days. Jesus and the disciples arrive on the scene. Mary and Martha both meet Jesus weeping. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. If only you had been here, our brother would not have died. But you weren't here and he died and now it's too late. Nothing can be done. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think we forget who we're talking to, even in prayer. And that's what they're doing. They're talking to God. They're essentially praying. And they looked at him and it's too late now. If you'd only been here. But now he's gone. Well, as you remember, Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus. He speaks the words, come forth, and Lazarus walks out. Now, I think they learned a valuable lesson. I mean, who is this man? Who is he? That he can even summon forth the dead. And you may say, well, my loved one died. And he believed in Jesus, and, and he died, or she died. And Jesus didn't bring them back to life. You need to add a word right there. Yet. Because I assure you that everyone who has lived and died in Christ Jesus is alive today. And not only that, they're coming with him. Amen? I'm looking forward to that new body. I can tell you, brother, and this old one's wearing out. And you is looking better all the time. Why? Because there's no limit to what Jesus can do when we give what we have to Him. If we give our possessions, if we give our time, if we give our loss, if we give our grief, if we give our heartaches, if we give our disappointment, if we give our worries and our anxieties, no matter what it is, if we place it into His hands, He can absolutely do miraculous things with it. You think about it for a second. Mary and Martha, what they gave to Jesus on this day was the death of their brother. They handed that to him, and Jesus in turn gave them life. He does that every time. He does that whether it is spiritual, where it is physical. When we give what we have to him, there are no limits to what he can do with what we give him. I noticed also this. There are no limits to what Jesus can do for others once we give ourselves and what we have to Him. Because the disciples have followed Him. They have given Him the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus feeds 5,000. How many of them does He feed? Every last one of them, not a one of them, walked away hungry. As a matter of fact, there was so much left over, you know that no one left there hungry. 5,000 men, and besides the women and the children, and Jesus supplied, He has enough grace this morning for every one of us here. Because He had enough grace 
to feed and care for every one of them. Years ago, I'm sorry, Brother Romines, I'm going to wander on you again. Years ago, I had a, a ministry in a, a military town where there was a military base. And uh, we really didn't start out having a military ministry. But I was sitting in my office one day, and the phone rang. And it was a military chaplain on the other end of the line. At that, in that day, that shows you how, how old I am. We have phones with lines, right? Uh, uh, you know, I answered the phone, and he said, hey, he said, uh, he introduced himself, and he, by the way, I'm a free will Baptist chaplain. And he said, I have a young man here that I would like to bring out to your church. I said, okay, that'd be great. Uh, you guys are welcome to come. He said, well, now, I got to tell you, he was raised Roman Catholic. And he is a Catholic. He's kind of rough around the edges. Is it still okay? Now, a lot of pastors at that point would have probably said, I pass. But I'm not passing on anybody Jesus wants to save. So I told him, I said, sure, it'd be great. You bring him. Next Sunday, he shows up. The young man is with him. And uh, they sit through the service. And at the end of the service, you know, pretty much a typical service, not a lot, you know, uh, happened uh, at, at the altar, some, but not a lot. And, you know, they got up and they, they left. And uh, I never saw the chaplain again. But the next Sunday, that young man was back in church. And he was there the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that. And so on a Monday, I'm at my office and my phone rings. And it's this young man. His name is Sean. The phone rings, and Sean says, Preacher, what are you doing today? I said, hey, uh, buddy, I'm here at the office. Uh, just doing a little stuff around the church. You need something? He said, preacher, he said, that message you preached Sunday. He said, preacher, I can't sleep. Preacher, I can't eat. Preacher, I got to talk to you. Can we talk sometime this week? And of course, my mind's thinking, we don't, we don't need to wait another instant. So I said, what are you doing right now? He said, well, I actually have a day off. I said, okay, you want me to drive out to the base? And by this time, I know the guards, they, they know me. when I, They see me coming. I've been on, on the base, you know. And uh, he said, uh, I said, I'll come there and meet you. We'll meet you in town, or you can come by the office here, which, whatever you want to do. He said, well, I'm off today, and I, I was going to run into town anyway. He said, I'll, I'll just come by there. And to make that long story longer, like preachers do, no, he, he got saved right there in that office that day. Gave his heart and life to Jesus. And he's the unlikeliest of people to do that. And so he goes back to the base. This is one guy. He goes back to the base, and he invites a guy by the name of Ricky to come to church with him. Now let me give you a little history of this church. This church had flourished, that I'm pastoring at that time, it had flourished in the 1970s, had an auditorium that would seat 400 people. When I got there, there were about 35 folks. And I, I can tell you, it was like you'd look over here and there's a person, you'd move a while and there's a person, it was like peas in a pod. Sean goes back and he invites Ricky to come to church with him. They're friends. And so Ricky comes to church... And uh, 
kind of like the record here. After a while, Ricky gets saved. And that's, that's awesome. And then Ricky goes back to the base. And I, I, I really don't remember what Ricky did on the base, what his, his job title, his function was there. But I can tell you this, he knew everyone there. He knew everyone on that base, evidently. Because Ricky started inviting people to come to church. And I'm sitting there watching these empty sections of pews start filling up with people. We had them, all, we had them from bird colonels down to whatever the lowest rank the Air Force has is. We had them. I mean, people, the church just starts filling up. Ricky starts inviting people, and people started getting saved. And we were baptizing folks six, maybe eight of them at a time. And a military ministry is a weird ministry because you have them, but you don't have them. They're not staying. Because when they finish their tour of duty, they're going to leave and they're either going to go back home or they're going to transfer somewhere else. But very, very few of them are going to stay parked in that same place for, for you know, over a couple of years was my experience. If, they, if you had them for two years. But I told our church, I said, look, I know a lot of people coming through, they're getting saved and then they're transferring and going other places. But I said, it's worth what we're doing. Because we're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They're getting saved. They leave here, but they're carrying Christ with them wherever they go. They become missionaries to the world. And I've thought a lot about that, you know. And most of our churches are about one Ricky away from an explosion. Just about one Ricky away from an explosion. You say, well, preacher, I've invited people, and they don't come. And I've invited this person, I don't, they don't come. And I invited that person, they don't come. I pray for this person, they don't come. What I do, invite someone else. Invite them again. Keep on. You know why? Because if we give ourselves to Christ, and we give what we have to Christ, then He will work in us and through us to be a blessing to others. And there's no limit to that. There's no limit to how many may come to Christ through that simple effort of saying, hey, I'd like you to invite you to go to church with me Sunday, and if you'll come, if you'll come Sunday, I'll, I'll take you out to lunch. We'll, we'll feed you lunch, take good care of you. You'll enjoy it and, you know, uh, speak well of your pastor, speak well of your church, invite people to come, and, and when they come, sit with them. Take, take time. You know, I understand. It's gonna, you know what that means? It means you're going to have to invest your time and your life into people. That, that necessarily has to happen. I've been asked at a lot of meetings, how do you evangelize? What do you do evangelism-wise? What, what's the secret? I, I can tell you the secret. Number one is pray, and number two is go do it. That's the secret. You pray, and you go. Uh, I also practice what, it, what I've called friendship evangelism. I try to befriend people. I try to develop a relationship with them. And as we learn each other, and as we become you know, more familiar with each other, then I will attempt to, to get them into church and to bring them you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it all starts, by the way, n do you know how 96% of people, I think it's 96, 94, maybe it was 94% of people, come to church, a friend invited them. That is still the best way to evangelize is for people to invite family members and friends. And if you don't know a friend or a family member to invite, go meet a new one.
That's the best way to do it. And just invite them. I would have never dreamed, when, when little old Sean showed up and got saved, I would have never dreamed that he would have brought Ricky, and I would have never dreamed that Ricky tried to bring the whole Air Force base over to church with us. By the way, Ricky pastors a church up in Tennessee now. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy for that, and I'm happy for him. There are no limits to what Jesus can do if we give ourselves to him, if we'll follow him, if we will give what we have to him, no matter what it is, just put it in his hands, and then there's no limits to what he'll do through us once we have done that. You remember what it was like to be lost in sin? I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten the misery of it, the futility, the emptiness of it. You remember what it was like to be unforgiven, to be addicted, to be enslaved? Then Jesus came and set you free. Amen. Wouldn't you like for someone else to experience that? The Bible is a story of no limits. When Moses faced the Red Sea, you know what he learned? There are no limits to what God can do. When David faced Goliath, he learned that there are no limits to what God can do. When Elijah faced the false prophets, he learned there's no limits to what God can do. When the three Hebrews walked into the fiery furnace, they realized there's no limit to what God can do. When Daniel faced down the lines and turned it into a petting zoo, he found out that there are no limits to what Jesus can do. When Jesus faced Lazarus' tomb, the disciples found out there's nothing that Jesus can't do. And when Jesus came forward from the empty tomb, I wonder if at that point, when Jesus walks out of the tomb after he has been crucified, after he has died, after he has been buried, and then he walks out of that tomb, I wonder if with the disciples it finally clicked. Man, he can feed 5,000 people with nothing. He can raise another dead man uh, and bring him to life. And even death itself can't stop him. Because he walks free from the tomb. I wonder if they finally realize there's no limits to what Jesus can do. There are no limits to what he can do. If we give ourselves to him, if we give what we have to him, then he will use us to reach the world. Amen. Father God, thank you this morning. So often we've been conditioned, and the devil will do that to us. He'll condition us to say, give up, don't do anymore, stop, forget it. But Lord Jesus, when we look into your word, we find quite a different picture, quite a different story. We see regular, normal people being faithful in just very small things that bring about tremendous blessing. God, I thank you this morning loving us I thank you this morning for saving us and father if there's one here this morning under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord God I pray today will be the day when in their heart they will invite you to come in and they will say to you Lord I repent of my sins and today I am going to start to follow you God thank you for issuing that invitation to us all. And I pray this morning 
that you might bless those who hear. God, I also pray for those who are here and have walked with you for some time. Uh, they've been up the hills and down in the valleys. They've experienced life, and they've been challenged from time to time. But God, you've always been faithful in seeing them through, because I know that because you've seen me through. I pray that you will strengthen them and encourage them, and that you will renew in them the Spirit of Christ with a desire to help people follow you. And Father, if there are those this morning here that are battling with physical conditions, God, I pray that you might bless them, that you might minister to their needs as you did to the needs of this crowd on this day. And God, we'll be sure to thank you as I preached earlier this morning to have a grateful heart for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Aaron, you come and dismiss services and you provide.